Our latest guest on Soundtracking is a supremely versatile actor and musician who's released several albums and taken numerous critically acclaimed roles on stage and screen. Johnny Flynn can currently be seen in Autumn DeWilde's adaptation of Emma, which stars Anya Taylor-Joy, Bill Nye and Josh O'Connor. Like Johnny, Autumn has strong connections to the music industry, having worked with the likes of Elliot Smith and Death Cab for Cutie in her guise as photographer and video director. The pair bonded over a love of folk, which is one of the reasons she asked him to write a song for the film. Emma is scored by the wonderful Isabel Waller-Bridge and it's with her cue, Mr Knightley chases after Emma, that we begin, giving that Mr Knightley is Johnny's character. my god i mean you are the perfect person to have on our podcast soundtracking because music just kind of encompasses your world in so many ways really it's it's really exciting to delve into your history and relationship with uh-huh. music because it goes way back doesn't it for you yeah school and stuff and, yeah yeah and all that when was can you remember the first moment that you kind of kind of found this friendship with music and you kind of felt a connection yeah i can remember a few yeah elements of it all i mean i think i was just kind of born into music in a way because it was always around yeah. and my mum had been in a in a folk band in the 70s and so her guitar was just up against the wall <laughs> and, and next to my dad's guitar and they had quite a different relationship to music themselves but they loved each other's references they're both very open-minded which is great and my dad was kind of an older dad he was born in 1939 and he grew up with the, the tail end of those like the war years and stuff yeah. and he his and through the 60s he had a a young family uh from when you know he was quite young when he had kids so kind of missed all the a lot of what was going on in popular culture but he was into like big band stuff and Amazing. swing and Duke yeah. Ellington and like American early pop music and amazing stuff to have like growing up like the ink spots Then what will you do? 
that I were near Then maybe you'll ask me to come back again you know, uh, vocal groups yeah. and harmonies. And yeah. he did admire some of the 60s music, but he wasn't so part of the kind of counterculture. Like he he really admired Simon and Garfunkel and he admired the Beatles because, you know, he he, he admired sort of songwriting. The craft, the of, craft it. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just remembering actually the other day that one of the ways that I learned to sing in harmony was um, uh, he, he, he drove around in a, an old van. So a lot of the music I was exposed to as a kid was in, in my dad's car. Yeah. And he drove an old van and the, we only realised a bit late that the sound system was blown and it only played <laughs> music. Uh, yeah, it was only one side. So we only had Garfunkel's <laughs> harmonies. So we... <laughs> and we... Poor so, Paul, man. He's so, like... Yeah, so I, I could only imagine what... And those, those... The records we had were like hard pan stereo. So we were... We, I would sing what I imagined Amazing. Paul Simon's part to be, and that's what we do. I, I only just realised how kind of formative that was. There's a lot of music like that, and it's hard, yeah. hard panned, and you and you just kind of <laughs> guess, have a stab at a main line, you know, and just write a piece of music along that's to amazing. a piece that everyone else knew. Well, that feels really relevant, kind of coming right up to now in, in terms of, I mean, Emma, there's loads to talk about, but start about your musical involvement in it and Queen Bee, this song that you wrote and the vocal melody in that has got this wonderful kind of kind of lead role in it in terms of there isn't that much musicality around it the voice is very much the kind of main instrument on it as well All is for my mistress All is for my maid Sweetness that I took for Sweetness that she gave to me My Queen Bee Though my heart has long been given to you, summer's turn is nigh. Swifts and swallows swoop and yearn for you with all that's in the sky. But blow the wind and come the rain and come my love again. All is for my mistress, all is for my maid Sweetness that I took for, sweetness that she gave to me My queen bee But can you talk a little bit about, because obviously Emma's this, this wonderful, you know, Austin story that we've we've all grown up with in various forms, but there's something incredibly beautiful and contemporary and dreamlike about this this particular version of it, particularly in the colourscapes and things that yeah. that, that um, Autumn's used to direct her. I think it's it's a it's a really fresh take on on a on a really old story, really. Yeah. But this wonderful surprise at the end of your song. your song. Yeah. Um. When when did you know you were going to be doing that, and how did you come to to write it? Well, Autumn's interest in music and um, her background meant that we we connected on that level like immediately from from first meeting yeah. and i'd done a f- film 
where I worked with Jenny Lewis and uh, Jenny and Johnny were were a band together and um, they'd written some songs that I'd sung and they're really good friends of Autumn. So we immediately were like, oh, you know, Jenny and Johnny. And then and then it went on and on and on and we, we found all these connections. But also it was really cool because the reference, you know, she grew up or spent her 20s photographing Elliot Smith and, and Beck wow. and these people that are big, you know, were, were heroes of mine when I was a teenager and I was staring at a cover that Autumn of XO that Autumn had oh, shot, you know, I think like imagining this this soul and Elliot Smith's death had quite a big impact on me and, and he was her dear friend. Cut this picture into you and me Of like like literally I mean I, I would have been okay so just just sit down and start telling me some stories yeah yeah that was just I just wanted to hear her, everything her her life story really and 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 stories from the road and and all the you know the bands that she's worked wow. with but also she's part of the you know although her interest in cultural references abroad she's part of that LA scene and mm. and that's where you know uh, whereas I'm I guess very entrenched in in this thing that's happened in London and and um uh been working in music for the last I don't know 10 to 15 years or something. So it was lovely to to join those dots and also because a lot of in you know 2004 2005 when I started putting on club nights and things we were imagining some of the stuff that was going on in America and reading about these club nights in New York and stuff like that and so she was there and, you know, we would be wow. going out to New York and trying to kind of borrow a bit of the atmosphere of that stuff. And she was a part of all of that. Yeah. And then we just started um, swapping playlists and, and uh, musical references and a lot that wasn't didn't seem like it was anything to do with the film. But she a lot that was just in its kind of soul and its creative spirit and things like that. And and. And Bill Nye was part of that club as well. He's such a music He's aficionado. He's a massive music fan, isn't he? Yeah. So we had a we had a Did little. Did you get to drive around in his car with him with his driver and him play music? Because apparently that's a bit of a thing. I've done that with him. <laughs> okay, yeah. I've done that with him and sat in his trailer with him blaring out, you know, Dylan or whatever. Or he he he'll send me a whole playlist of like of obscure dark country songs or like he's fantastic. Um, <laughs> and me and Autumn and, and him had a kind of 
weird um, secret club <laughs> that had weird rules about yeah it's, no, it's too much to club. go into it was, it was like it was all made up it was just for fun but it, a lot of it was sending playlists to each other and um, sharing music but then when the film finished we, we carried on talking about music me and Autumn and just always had sort of the idea that I might do something for the film and during the shoot I'd introduced her to it she was asking me what kind of old folk references I had that could work for the film and I'd played her the Watersons and things like this and old folk songs that I love just the songs not even particular versions of them or Shirley Collins singing whatever but the Watersons she really latched onto because she heard within it a similar vibe to like some of the kind of American Baptist um, gospel music like shape note singing and stuff like that and she really liked that because she could relate to it she understood it It was kind of harmony singing sort of in in rhythmic unison um, and she has a Watson song on the on the film I like to rise when the sun she rises early in the morning I like to hear them small birds singing merrily upon their lamb and a rap for the life of a country boy and to ramble in the new month In spring we saw at the harvest moor and that's his older seasons round they go but of all the times if Joe's I met on be rambling through the new moon hay for I like to rise when the sun she rises early in the morning and I like to hear them small birds singing merrily upon their lamb and a rap for the life of a country boy and to ramble in the new morning and so my biggest reference she kept talking about the song that I write should should sound like this sort of sandblasted old folk song and so the Watsons was a big uh, kind of influence on it and they've always been a big thing for me and had the, so you'd finished shooting and stuff by this point and so yeah what, what was your kind of process in terms of the kind of story the lyrics that you wanted to you know the, 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 the song to be she obviously I mean obviously you're talking about seasons but I love that Autumn gets a name check yeah, on the yeah, song yeah. as well I like that yeah. it's good nice I also got a little because um, <laughs> we did a bit of that as a cast kind of we've got a, a big group whatsapp thing and everyone's trying to make each other laugh all the time <laughs> which is great there's a lot of pressure to like be funny amongst these very funny um I'm often sort of paralysed into voyeurism with the WhatsApp. But one thing that I did get into was doing these kind of putting people's names into puns. So they'd be, uh, the time is nigh kind of thing. And so I get a nigh in the, in the song as well. That's, which is a little hidden in joke. But yeah, well, I wanted to reflect. I mean, it's a simple idea, but because the film is sort of set over the course of a year and Autumn has these brilliant kind of title cards yeah. with the with the seasons and there's this kind of connection to the cycle of the earth and and the land and you see the the fields changing color and the trees losing their leaves and and the cycle of the human heart as well mm. and so the the four verses in the song reflect the the four seasons and it's nice that one of them's autumn yeah. <laughs> it's a tribute to our wonderful <laughs> director did you work with and and did you work with isabel 
on this because um, yeah. I was really um, chuffed to be asked to help curate the Birdport Film Festival in uh, yeah. in April in Devon yeah yeah and so um, we're showing Emma oh, and great. Isabel's going to come down and do oh, a, a live Q&A after the, the screening so oh, we're going to cool. record it and put it out as a oh, podcast episode I'm so excited to speak to you about it because the score is really really wonderful it is brilliant really yeah. really clever she's done an amazing job yeah. She is, um, she's a fantastic human being. I'd worked with her before on a series of Vanity Fair, actually, weirdly set in the same year as Emma. So we've been, I only meet her in, in Regency <laughs> like, land. In period. Yeah. But she, she's, she's amazing and she's uh, funny and smart and, and we've, yeah, we've become friends. And she, she um, it was Autumn's idea, really, because we've been working, uh, talking about the, the idea of a song. And I sent Autumn a kind of rough demo of this idea that I had of... Um, so you asked about the writing of it. And I, I, it was actually quite easy because, in a way, because or to come up with a kind of main concept of the Queen Bee, because I'd been living as Knightley, you know, mm-hmm. during, the, the, during the filming. So it was, it's, it's Knightley's kind of perspective on Emma having been so much inside her head for the duration of the story it's quite nice to suddenly have yeah. his sort of adoration of her which is often quite veiled through the film you know he only kind of lets it out towards the end yeah. where you only see it he kind of sits on it and, and then you just have him kind of pouring his heart out albeit in this kind of tongue-in-cheek slightly kind of teasing kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. way he's a um, great character though yeah he's I, I really love him mm, me too um, I love his honesty yeah, he's a good he's a good guy. A little bit mansplaining at the beginning. But, <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, there's a, bit, a lot of yeah. Bit, I had to. I wanted to lean into that though because I think it's quite nice to have a character that, uh, as is Emma, you know, slightly somebody who has kind of corners that the audience uh, to begin with might be affronted by. Or uh, I think it's it's nice to have that journey. You don't want somebody who's got nowhere to go or in their spiritual growth or or the audience don't have a journey towards liking them. Yeah. You should put these um, barriers up sometimes. But yeah. with the song, uh, yeah, Isabel just... Um, so Autumn put us together and Isabel opened her doors and um, we met in the studio and and uh, she was so great at helping me realise it and um, we put this choral idea together and 
uh, Sam Lee, he's a fantastic folk singer, sing, sings in the choir. I got him, he's a friend of mine, I got him to come and sing. And um, Autumn sings on it, and Isabel sings on it, and my sister's on it as well. Amazing. So it's kind of a little family of friends that spent the day in the studio doing Best way to spend the day. Exactly, yeah. It was so gorgeous. nice. It was, yeah. There's something, so, the kind of physical thing of like singing, you know, it's not something I do in public, something, but, but the kind of physical effect that singing can have on you in terms of kind yeah. of the release that it has on Absolutely, things or the yeah. kind of celebration of things or, yeah. it or weirdly, the explanation of things. Yeah, to- it is. I think it's um, a ceremony. I think it's singing together is a, a ceremony. And, and it felt like that in, um, uh, I mean, there's no, there's no other reason why it's become, you know, a way to, to, to mark these, I don't know, moments of religious and spiritual kind of importance in religion and things. Mm. But it, it, yeah, because I, I guess it, the vibrations that it yeah. puts through your body and and you all start to vibrate together which is a powerful thing yeah. and it felt like a ceremony to mark the end of the creative process for the film because it happened just before Christmas right when they were kind of wrapping the cut and everything and it was yeah. lovely so it was lovely yeah but you know you know you know writing and composing for, for for TV and film is something you've been doing for for quite a while you mm. know be that with the brilliant detectorists you know the theme but also the music within the the, the show and yeah. stuff as well will you search through the lonely earth for me Climb through the briar and bramble I'll be your treasure I felt the touch of the kings And the breath of the wind I knew the call of all the songbirds They sang all the wrong words I'm waiting for I'm waiting for you. And then there's 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 loads of other things as well that you've that I didn't know until I sort of was like, oh my God, he's done that as well. And uh-huh. You just recently did this brilliant thing on BBC Three, which was this it with Robbie Hudson, yeah. which was this kind of uh, turning this. Well, can you explain it? Because it's actually quite <laughs> it's difficult. So it's, it's bonkers, it is, but it's brilliant. Yeah, it is hard to explain or characterise, uh, <laughs> but it's. It's a musical. I love all the kind of um, political shows using music from the 20s and 30s, the kind of Brecht and Weill um, type uh, Weimar era um, things like Thrapani Opera and things which Mm -hmm. are... I think it's why I became an actor because I like the power of political theatre to carry a message. to kind of be a part of that mode of storytelling to be I don't know to put forward what I believe in and, yeah. and to look out for people in that way and tell stories that are about kindness and 
compassion in the world. And uh, this this story that we chose to tell is one that's kind of it's unfolding at the moment because it's about human rights violators and this guy Bill Browder who has quite a complicated past morally because he was a a banker and a, a kind of cutthroat capitalist and and did some things which people are, are quite unhappy about. His grandfather was a uh, was the head of the Communist Party and ran against um, Roosevelt in the presidential elections in the 30s. Wow! In America, yes. Yeah. So, That's and then amazing. his kind of rebellion was in becoming this kind of venture capitalist, <laughs> and he went to Russia and started investing money in Russia and he started working with this a team there and he had this lawyer and together they uncovered a lot of corruption st- at a state level and when they presented it to the to the state his lawyer who was called Sergei Magnitsky was imprisoned kind of illegally and he died a few days before the year was up that he could be held uh, legally held without trial in very suspicious circumstances oh and then so he went to Washington and he lobbied, Bill Browder went to Washington and lobbied for this um, law to be passed in, in Magnitsky's name. And at first, the Obama administration didn't want to do it because they were trying to build these economic bridges with Russia. Yeah. But he just through kind of belligerence, brilliant kind of bloody mindedness, he got this act passed called the Magnitsky Act. And it's in place now. And, and, and apparently it's the one thing that Putin just <laughs> can't stand. And uh, it is widely thought that it might be the reason behind the meeting in the Trump Tower before the Trump elections. And it's also a a very plausible reason as to why the Russians are so interested in uh, what they got involved in the uh, Brexit referendum, as we know. It's like a fact that they did through all the um, the lobbying and Facebook algorithms and social media stuff. And then there's a secret dossier which um boris won't let us see so you know there's a lot there that's unfolding but there's also a lot of supposition in any kind of story that you tell about this so a musical although it seems odd (laughs) is quite a good way of doing it because you can be quite tongue-in-cheek about things that you just lay out all the facts and go well it's not we're not saying it's absolutely true but and we make a thing of um conflating people and events and we hold up our hands and say look we're doing this because it's very complicated but you can understand if we say that this person and this person and this person have become this person and this one conversation and you'll understand the whole argument or this song so i had to write songs that were things like a group of um russian spin doctors dreaming up brexit wow because um, <laughs> yeah because wow. there's room for comedy but also through the laughter you're kind of like shaking a little bit yeah um, well I think it's almost like the same way in, in Taika with Jojo Rabbit mm, I think you know in terms of yeah. I thought that was I watched it with my 11 year old son you know at the weekend and Did it was like incredible it? the conversation that it? it that it started and yeah. you know kind of lightened inside of him you know they're talking yeah. about Holocaust at school at the minute yeah. and it yeah. was a wonderful addition to yeah. encourage him to think about that and really yeah, explore absolutely. it. Yeah. I think that's that is the power of stories and music, you know, and yeah. political songs and they kind of reach because they connect to your heart in a way that reading a news headline might not. Uh so there is this, I think there's an emphasis on storytellers and songwriters. Gets the truth better. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. kind of it's like particularly, you know, where we are now with the kind of whole fake news thing and just with with the kind of the uncertainty of what's true and what's not and who's manipulating who and what sort of thing it's kind Mm -hmm. of sometimes through art you can get to the truth yeah you can or a truth clearly the truth about how people how you can really feel about it anyway Mm because it engages yeah compassion and 
I'm I'm waiting to watch Jojo Rabbit with my eight year old. He might be a little bit young, but I think he he's reading um, that Judith Kerr book when Hitler stole Pink Rabbit, which yeah, is like a very childish perspective yeah. on the Nazi um, rise to power, which is really yeah, like yeah. same thing, provoking a lot of cool um, conversations. And his favorite song. We've been learning how to play um, Billy Bragg's Between the Wars, which I don't know if you know that song, but it makes me cry. Um, and he's learning it with his piano teacher as well. So that, you know, I oh, think wow, it's wonderful like to expose kids thing. to this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Watching your kid play a song that already makes you cry. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty dangerous. Actually. I just think I'm a wreck. You just take a minute to remind people about how brilliant that film by Michael Pierce was. It's just extraordinary. Yeah, that was one of the joys of my life to be involved with. Um, what a film! And uh, yeah, I mean, I was just, I just was, in, yeah, I just felt very lucky to be there. And it's, it's quite a small film, and it was Michael's vision that he'd had for years. He'd spent about ten years developing it since mm. he left film school, and um, uh, it felt like those one of those rare combinations of I think him and Jesse and well and all the creative team just made for this kind of yeah kind of lightning strike mm. moment and uh, it's just yeah, it's a powerful bit of storytelling and yeah. the friendships that I've got out of it are really special to me as well quite nice as well that Josh who's in Emma and then Jesse are about yeah. to go on stage together and yeah. and Juliet I can't yeah. wait to I'm see gonna, that I'm like I'll play the nurse I'll play <laughs> the I don't know <laughs> The guy who dies in the beginning. I just, I want to be there. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. Uh, yeah, me yeah. too. I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. Josh yeah. is very funny in Emma. Oh, he's the vicar. And he's um, just Mr. Elton. He's fantastic. And he, he's actually an old friend as well. There's a nice gang of, uh, it, yeah, it's lovely. You know, it's a small community, but mm. Josh and Jesse and a few other people who I've been close with for years um, fill me with joy about being going to work and being in this business but um josh is a special guy yeah. what can you tell us about stardust and when are we going to get to see this because i cannot <laughs> wait when i i remember when it first was like announced that you were going to be playing bowie it was just mm. like oh my god yes oh cool that's just okay. like but i love that it's not the bowie that we know you know it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of pre this kind of superstar it's yeah it's about it's about discovering and struggle i guess for him to kind of it find is. that thing yeah. that he wanted to be with you would you yeah. is that kind of where Absolutely, it is Absolutely, yeah which is the only story that's kind of worth telling about an artist's life i think it's quite it, you need to see them before it's only this fraction of his life really it's not a big sprawling biopic it's mm. not like a bohemian rhapsody or so it's a celebration of this person that you don't know in a way because it's a very relatable 
young artist trying to find their voice and being a bit lost actually we know what happens afterwards he becomes this amazing artist but where do those elements begin and where and so it's a kind of genesis story of of him putting these ideas to go and going to to America for the first time and meeting Lou Reed and Andy Warhol and hearing Iggy Pop for the first time. Wow. So I spent about a month driving around in a car with Mark Maron, who plays the the oh, PR. I love, oh, I love his podcast. He's brilliant. Yeah, he's great. And we got on really well. And he's big into music as well and was introducing me to a lot of old blues and stuff. So that was really fun. It's just this kind of tiny moment, really. So it's quite a small film, mm. but I think it's more, yeah, it's an art house film. It's more like, um, control or something oh, it's a very it's just a poignant moment and people are rightly so quite defensive about david's legacy and his story and they've yeah. really got a lot of flack for even daring to to do this or be part of it but actually i didn't really want to when i just i heard you know david bowie biopic and i thought no you know can't yeah. he's too important to me and to all these people but actually when i met the director and heard his vision for it it was almost like you didn't know this person and yeah. I want to kind of try and there are no absolutes in biographical filmmaking yeah. you can't do that but you can ask the questions based on the circumstances that you understand and kind of go what what could it have been like you know yeah. for that person going to America for the first time it's like with what um Sam Taylor Johnson did with Nowhere Boy I love that yeah kind of. yeah that's another big that was another big reference for me Control and Nowhere Boy are the films I thought well they they were worthwhile you know mm. they were worth committing yeah, to film yeah, yeah. did you have to sing I did yeah yes yeah so awesome. sing but not much because he was mostly doing kind of covers and singing yeah. like Jacques Brel and Anthony Newley quite musical stuff as yeah. well like musical theatre type stuff yeah. as well back at that time wasn't yeah. it it was kind of absolutely he was, yeah. he was you know we know him as a showman but yeah. back then it was a, he was a slightly different type of showman in the port of Amsterdam there's a sailor who sings of the dreams that he brings from the wide open sea in the ports of Amsterdam there's a sailor who sleeps while the river bank weeps to the old willow tree in the ports of Amsterdam there's a sailor dies full of beer full of cries in a drunken town fight in the port of Amsterdam there's a sailor who's born on a hot muggy morn by the dawn's early light yeah he'd, he'd come from um He'd, he'd been studying mime and he was obsessed with this guy Anthony Newley who was like a kind of vaudeville kind of warbly you know you think where does that voice come from where does David's voice come from and then you listen to Anthony Newley and, and look at some of the kind of vaudeville stuff that he was exposed to and you're like oh, of course I'll never let you go why because I love you I'll always love you so why because you love me we found a perfect love yes a love that's yours and mine i love you and you love me i love you 
forever. You put that with yeah. New York punk, and you've got you know, yeah, <laughs> Ziggy Stardust or whatever, you know, and it he's this combination of of mad elements. But it, but the the film is looking at him before he's he's kind of put that together and he's trying too hard to be these different things which we all relate to because when you're trying to get things off the ground and you have the need to mm. create but you haven't found a medium for it, it's quite heartbreaking. Yeah. When do you know when it's going to be out? We are this year. I think this year. Yeah. Right. We're, it's going to be at some festivals. Awesome. And that's all just being confirmed at the minute. But I I got in trouble because I talked about <laughs> one of them the other day. But uh, I'm excited because oh. it's getting it's getting kind of picked up that's great yeah oh please can we talk again when you yeah when that's around absolutely. that'd be awesome yeah yeah um so i'm gonna talking about music great well can i ask you i would be really nice because we'll we'll obviously pepper the show with loads of bits of music and stuff but it'd be cool. really nice to play a piece of your music yeah so could you pick something for us to finish the show with oh yeah okay well i'd love to play there's a song on our first album called cold bread but there's a version of it that me and Adam, my bass player, did kind of as a demo for the song and we eventually put it out on a little EP, so I'll have to just make sure you've got that this version. <laughs> yeah. We'll but find it's, it. It's, um, ben, ben, my editor, is amazing. He's like my, okay. my Merlin. So He's the non-album yeah. version of Cold Bread. It okay. is out there. It's on, I think it's on Apple Music or iTunes. Um, Why that one? But, it, but it's, it's be- well, because it's one of the first tracks that, that I was really proud of because although I like the album version because it's the band playing me and Adam who I've been in the studio with the last two days because we're we're making this um, I'm making a film musical using old songs of mine that the characters sing as part of their story and their characters and so I've been in the studio revisiting these songs but a big reference for me is to like these early demos and bedroom recordings that we did because without a kind of band dynamic there's so much weird stuff that happens and Adam who's like my soul brother is particularly good at kind of eking the stuff out and we'll make old drum loops and weird kind of found sound kind of things and uh he's kind of a production genius but we i just remember dropping like bins from four four story buildings and recording the noise and then turning it into kind of sort of industrial era tom waits kind of sounds and wow so this song that that demo that that version of that song was where i went oh my god like we can do something cool like it's really it sounds really special I remember playing it to a few people and it was just like yeah this is great I can do this and it expressed something other that you didn't know before you set out to record it it just was it became its own thing and each sound that we added it became like weirder and more kind of magical to me it was yeah. this, it was like opening up Pandora's box it was like wow, it's like a universe of sound that expresses emotions in a way that you can't even possibly imagine as you sit down with your notebook to write the lyrics. And it just, talking about the genesis of of David Bowie, it seemed kind of relevant to write a song that was important for me in my development and understanding of what was possible. Amazing. Oh my God, there's so much going on, but we've got to have a second visit because this project sounds really exciting too. Yeah, it is cool. Um, I'm excited. It's just starting, so um, it would be good to talk about that 
and, and the David the Bowie. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Johnny. Right, thank, thank you. you. Cheers. It's been lovely. Well, I'm sure you're near and I can almost smell you, but the winds are up at the walls again. I can hear you coming. Heaven helped you coming. I believe in heaven. It's a way away. Did you learn just how I loved you? Did you see how far I'd been? Would you meet me in an hour? I could tell you what I've seen. What I've seen. Cold bread, cold bread we had. Put your wine and water, pull your chips back in, so you crawl like a crab across Black Prize Bridge, something hard to fake. Hit the homeward road, I'm a bowling green, I'm a livery boy, have a heart which skips a beat. Oh, come on, roll along for free. In the middle of the morning, swap your drinking nights with me. As chosen by Johnny Flynn, that's the demo version of Cold Bread, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the actor and musician. My huge thanks to Johnny for taking the time to talk to us. Emma is on general release now and is a fine addition to the Jane Austen cinematic canon. We'll update our Spotify page shortly so you can hear the songs we play in each of the shows in the order they appear. Follow us on Facebook instagram and twitter we are at soundtracking uk and please do keep spreading the word if you like what you hear next up a woman who for me personifies the idea of a powerhouse in the world of film production most recently her production credits include the irishman joker uncut gems and the souvenir she is the formidable emma tillinger koskov and she's next week's guest i very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then (laughs) 